0: Well, howdy, Lisa. How's it going, Sarah? It's great. Now we can actually
1: say that I haven't seen you for a few days. I know. I actually went to San Diego for the weekend and pretended I was on summer.
0: Yeah, right? Because summers um, are a thing in the past.
1: Well, you know, I used to love summer because it was like that end date that I could then just be a bum for a couple of months and kind of regain my enthusiasm for life. But now I just resent my kids because they sleep in. And are you know just they're living me. the summer life. Yes, and, and I have to watch showing
0: it. up here to work.
1: And I resent them. Yeah,
0: well, I resented you. I remember <laughs> <laughs> our very first summer, and I remember thinking, "What the crap? Wait, we're gonna work all summer?" And you were like, uh, "Yeah, nobody's running this business. It's just us." Yeah, I know. I don't. this These are the moments where I do think, "Why did I think this was a good idea?" <laughs> But it is. It's fun. We don't mind because we love what we do. We're not really complaining. I am taking off next week. <laughs> and Wait, I, what? Yeah, I didn't I don't submit think, that to HR. Yeah, HR just, didn't approve that is yeah, what I was going to say. Well, so I'm leaving and I'll work from the beach. So, super excited about this podcast because I do think um, the last few have been maybe on the more mild end of controversy. Okay. But I think we love a little controversy. I know I like to stir the pot a bit. I was going to say run your mouth. I like to run my mouth a bit. So I do think this is kind of a hot, fun topic that is um, very polarizing.
1: Agreed, Sarah Boobs. Yeah.
0: So if you've seen the title, you already know what you're getting yourself into. Today's confession is, I don't care if you call me speech
1: teacher. I don't either. Okay. But I do know that we are might be in the minority on this one. Yeah,
0: I wonder, like, I we need to do a poll, because I do want to know, is it really that polarizing, where it's like half and half, or, um, you know, where, where we fall in the range of um, we don't care what our title is?
1: So, in fact, when I used to supervise grad students back in the day, that was one of the first things we talked about when they were on the campus, that I knew they were very proud of their degree, as they should be. It's a lot of hard work, and... That title of speech and language pathologist is awesome. But I told them once you get on a campus, you're going to be called speech, speech teacher, speech lady, hey you, sometimes the wrong name, like my last name is Kathman. So <laughs> people would say, hey Kathy. And I'd be like, what's up? <laughs> right. I feel the same way. I have always looked
0: at it like, I don't care what you call me, just call me. Right like, just know I'm here. I want to be a valuable resource. I really, I don't care. And I never care what students call, call me. I'm never going to correct them if they refer to me as the speech teacher, which I mean, I don't know if they often do. None of them could say my last name. I mean, I can hardly say my last name can the same every time. Sometimes it's Bavier. Sometimes it's Bevier, sometimes it's Beauvoir. right. Sometimes it's boobs. right. So a lot of them called me Mrs. B. Some with limited language just called me B, which is always fun to hear from like across the campus, hey B.
1: Now my favorite story with that though is that little guy that was working on adjectives.
0: <laughs> that is the best. <laughs> yes. What so a- we were doing adjectives in like opposites. So I think during that session we were on dirty and clean. so we're working on like the dirty dog. Dirty car, clean um, car, you know. And he thought it was hysterical, and so he said, ha, ha, -ha, Dirty (laughs) B. And because I'm a five-year-old, I laughed, which encouraged him to call me Dirty B for the rest of the semester. (laughs) And again, I did correct it because obviously, like, he probably shouldn't be yelling Dirty B across the campus. Um, And I did have to call his parents and explain to them why he (laughs) might refer to me that way. (laughs) So you didn't end up in jail. (laughs) Right, right. So that probably wasn't my best title. Um, but as far as if somebody refers to me as a speech teacher, I just move on. Like, I, I don't ever correct that.
1: Well, and I think that was even the point I was trying to ground home with my students is that my my grad students, not my therapy students. But that you show your worth, not through your fancy title, but through Thank what you're doing on that campus. That's really where the focus needs to be, not the title. But again, that's my opinion. I agree. I feel
0: the same way. I will say um, when it comes to introducing myself, um, I think it depends on the audience. So there are times when I refer to myself as a speech language pathologist. There are other times where I think, especially like I, with families, there's, um, I think speech therapists might be a little bit more, under, they understand what that is a little bit more than maybe what a pathologist is. So I'll call myself a speech therapist. Um, and if I've ever corrected anyone for referring to me as a teacher it's only because I don't want to insult the profession of teachers.
1: And <laughs> it's actually kind of amazing to be in that group. I think that's right. one of the most respected professions out there. It is the
0: most noble profession. And I wish I had their background. Like the amount of things I've had to do on my own time to try to get some of that knowledge in education and scope of sequence of instruction, um, I wish I had an ounce of, of the knowledge they bring to um the team
1: so let's get more into why do you feel like it is sort of um so controversial why people do get kind of offended or you know want to correct that they are not a teacher for me it was more like that like I didn't want anyone to think I had those classroom management skills <laughs> right. and skills and curriculum so even if I was asked to sub in a classroom for a bit I was like I can and I can do my best but I'm not I, a teacher I'm not yeah. a teacher I really was a teacher when there were um, teacher appreciation weeks. Exactly. And deals. Then I would try to like definitely.
0: That's when you play the teacher card. And that's what I think is so funny because you know those ones (laughs) who are proudly, like I am a speech language pathologist, you know they have the loft card with the teacher discount on it. (laughs) You know they do. And you know they're the first one at teacher appreciation luncheons. You know it. So you can't play it both ways, people. Like you, you are or you are And I am grateful to be included as a member of the staff um, in any way, shape, or form that I can be. and. I'm honored if they include me in Teacher Appreciation Week. I've been on campuses where um, sometimes they have no idea who I am and, and what I do, and I do think that is our job. And we'll talk. Let's talk about that in a second. Let me go back to your question on what's the argument. I think there's a few things. First and foremost, I do think sometimes it does just comes down to we fancy. We princesses. Yeah. And we have a reputation for being princesses on a campus. And I think there is a little bit of um, um, something with that where we, you know, we're proud of that degree and the the kind of skill set we have. And we like to shout it from rooftops. Again, I'm not one of those people, but maybe that's one of the reasons that people have a hang up
1: with speech teacher. Well, and I think sometimes, too, it's that we, we do have that unique lens on the students that we work with, which is great. But it should always be filtered through that idea of that it's a team working with those students. It's not just you. And you are not the expert and the only one that knows everything. We're all experts in our own right. So we need to take our lens and the data that we have to combine it with the rest of the data and make the best decisions for students.
0: Absolutely. We are not alone in this. And I think that's why we both have always said we love the school setting. And I think it's because of the team. The fact that we get to to treat the whole child because of this multidisciplinary group of people that comes together and really figures out all the dimensions of what that child needs to be successful.
1: So you had mentioned it's part of our role to kind of make ourselves and our roles known on a campus. But I think it's um, also applicable in that sense of you have to be a voice in the fact that you're not the expert, because once you get into that expert trap, it can get you in a lot of trouble. I think it causes a lot of stress and anxiety too, because people, especially when I was working with CFs, they come out of school and yes, you have this great training and background, But then if you go on campus and feel like you have to be the expert or others expect you to be the expert, that's not the case. Again, it's I remember clearly having this conversation with a kindergarten teacher once where um, she asked me a question. She said, well, you're the expert in language. And I said, whoa, wait a minute. You are a kindergarten teacher. Look at those standards. You are an expert in language as well. So you come together with the information that you have and. Everybody's an expert on a campus.
0: That's exactly right, and I, I think that also goes into the next argument, which might be that people, re, you know, think well, we're therapists. We're not teachers. Um, and when you work in the school setting, that's not entirely true. We are doing a lot of teaching. Um, yes, therapy is different, and I think our lens on problem solving through our students' specific needs and kind of getting to the root of those and providing strategies so that they can access curriculum, I think that lens is different than than providing, like, instruction in English, English arts or, or right. math. Obviously that's different. But our role um, in the schools is specifically um, designed to help students access curriculum. So we have to know curriculum. We can't get by with, oh, I'm a therapist. I'm not a teacher. Why, why do I have to do these things that teachers are doing? Right. I don't teach math. Right, right. Yeah, I know. I have been guilty of saying that a time or two.
1: I know, but really. I don't do math. And it's really, you don't have to teach math. It's you, your lens as the SLP is to know those language underpinnings involved with whatever subject area it is. So much language involved
0: in math. So guess what? We are working on that skill. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. So I think that's part of the argument is that that we don't see ourselves as a teacher um, because it's not what we technically went to school to do. But working in a school is very different than working in a medical profession.
1: Well, and I think um, when we're working with curriculum, the biggest advantage that we have that maybe teachers don't have as big of a perspective on is we do have a great mastery of differentiated instruction, not just for one grade level, but for preschool through high school. We can look at a child's needs and really scaffold how we're presenting information. And so I think teachers do that to some degree, but then they get kind of locked into their one grade level so we can be a huge asset when it comes to how we deliver information how we support that student but again it should always be within that framework of the ultimate goal is that they're learning we're all on that campus to ensure learning of the students that's
0: right and so we can go back to that the next argument would be that we're more of a medical profession than an educational professional Um, but that's not again that's not true in a school setting and in fact we know you can only qualify for speech therapy services if it's directly impacting education So you're not working on swallowing and feeding unless it's impacting the student's ability to learn because they're not getting enough nutrition throughout the day or something like that. But this is not a medical setting. Right. And I know, again, there's the argument we bill Medicaid. but um, And so there is some reimbursement there because we are health service providers. Um, And so, you know, I do. I think there's this kind of maybe inner argument with some SLPs about where we fall um, in, you know, education versus medical.
1: Well, and I think it's, you look at the setting and the services that you provide from that setting. So we've already talked about our role in a school setting is access to curriculum. That's our entire role. That's even the lens that we do eligibility through. We're not just saying, is there a communication impairment? We're saying, is there an adverse effect? of that impairment on the student's learning? And is it only correctable with our specially designed instruction as SLPs? So right. that's our eligibility, which is different than in a medical setting. But then two, it's not that the whole burden of that child's care is on the school so that's where i think there's that fine line too of we are providing our services through that lens of supporting them at school and you might have kids with very involved needs that also require services outside of school that would support other settings so if it's home health or clinic work work that supports the students home and functional kind right. of outcomes or medical settings that support those medical needs Everybody should be working as a team. And it doesn't mean one is better than the other. It's just that our roles do vary depending on where we're working. Exactly right. And again, going back, we're a team. So
0: on these students that are maybe more medically fragile or have more extensive needs, you know, there's often a nurse involved um, with that student. Um, and then other experts, actually, occupational therapy is going to be there to help with some of those things. Um, and so we're working as a team to meet their needs. And so I may have to do, um, I I always love your example. I, I, this was actually more related to like students with social needs. You know, if they're in a self-contained program, guaranteed social skills are part of that curriculum. So is it only me providing that service? Not necessarily. You know, the teacher may very well be the, the best person to provide those services. Um, versus if I'm a clinic therapist, then my targets might be very different. Right. So I think another argument is um, speech teacher um, makes us sound like all we do is work on speech. And so, you know, here we've got this pretty wide range of knowledge in a variety of areas. And this has been a problem since the beginning of time with no one really knows what we do. And what um, areas we do target. Um, I know I've sat in meetings for students with um, pragmatic language needs. And the teacher looked at me like, wait, why are you here? He, his speech is fine. Right. So I can see some argument in that. That's the one argument I do kind of get. That if we go with speech teacher, it doesn't explain enough about what we do. But I don't think spe- calling, saying, well, I'm a speech language pathologist is what's going to help that. Right. Yeah, what's going to help that is education and advocating on our part about our about what we can bring to the table.
1: Right. And I also think um, getting integrated into your campus, so not just the work that you do with students, but that education piece that you mentioned, that's by being visible and present and being a team member on your campus. So it is hard. We have so many responsibilities working in this setting with paperwork and getting the therapy covered and everything that we have to do on the daily. But if the focus is there and then those become excuses for, well, I can't sit in a staff meeting or the staff meeting has no relevance to me or I can't do duties like every other person on campus because of X, Y and Z. That's where we can get into a little bit of trouble, I think, too, because it does lend more into that reputation that we can get of why does she not have to do that? But I do. So, you know, your actions speak hugely when you're working on a campus, on a school campus. Yeah,
0: and I think you know we're going to probably do an entire podcast on working in a team and what that means because it is very difficult um, to to figure out where you fit. Um, I I don't even think the staff always understands um, exactly you know what it is that we do and and all they see is us in a the therapy room playing games all day. Um, and so you know when we walk into a classroom and start telling teachers what they should be doing with a student. If we have no relationship there, we have just set ourselves up for failure immediately. Right. So I think there's a lot of advocating and education that still needs to happen. I think it needs to happen as a whole from school systems. I think administrators need to be for more familiar with our roles. I think most of the, you know them probably, still, they don't even know exactly what it is that we do um, other than they know we have to be there because of IDEA. So I, I think there's a lot that needs to change um, as far as... Um, you know, the the value we bring to the team, what it is that we should be utilized for. um, And then I think we also need to do a better job of, being a part of the staff. And so, yeah, I agree. Duties suck. Like, I always hated to have them. But at the same time, like, I want to be a team player and I wanted relationships with my staff. And so I tried to do them when I could.
1: Right. Or even just talking to your principal in a way that is beyond just I don't want to do them or I can't do them. Right. I know my principal was really great about when I had conversations as far as the first quarter. I'm pretty open because our district was scheduling IEPs and METs, except for transfer students. But in general, they didn't really start up until around October 1st. So I had a lot more time at the beginning of the year than I did when what I called IEP season started right. up. And so I said, if you need me every day now, but then once I have my meetings, and but I would show, this is how many students I have. This is how many meetings I anticipate for the year. So really, I used to joke that I was on the IEP committee. That right. was my committee. That's true. I but, like that. Yeah. Or But it, but. I always wanted to say I was a team player, so if I was needed for something maybe that was one day a week versus every day, or if they wanted to use me in a substitute kind of capacity, that was awesome. But that's a way to show like, hey, I'm not just, you know, shirking off this responsibility because I don't want to do it. It's, you know, nobody wants to do duties. Teachers have things they need to do as well.
0: Right. Those teachers are working there late, late, most of the time later than I even am, Um, you know, so they're working hard too and they're still not only are they going to committees but they've got things in the evening you know with parents and conferences and and uh, carnivals and i i did try to go to that kind of stuff as much as i can because again I wanted to be a part of that staff. Now, you know, if if you don't care about that so much, I still think you're shooting yourself in the foot because then it's going to be really difficult when you need to make some tough decisions and you don't have relationships with them. But if you don't want to be a part of it, that's okay. You know, I always did. And I have worked contract um, before. That's a different animal um, because you really aren't supposed to be kind of participating in any of those things outside of therapy and and diagnostics. And so um, I think there's a lot of isolation as a contract therapist so what i would do is i pick i would pick and choose i still tried to participate things on my own time cuz i'm not going to get paid for anything outside of what I'm, my contracted responsibilities were but if you know i wanted those relationships then i showed up at the meetings and i did those things on my own time So those are the choices you have to make, but you can't complain that they don't know who you are and nobody includes me on anything when you are not putting yourself out there. You're not eating lunch with them, you're not going to meetings, you're not doing duties or committees. Um, And so again, you have to pick and choose, you know, how you want to be seen on that campus.
1: Right. So what are some of the other arguments that you've seen some of the message boards and things like that one i just saw recently and i thought was kind of
0: interesting again this is perspective too and i do try to be open-minded to other people's perspectives um but you're not going to win i'm not going to be swayed on this one <laughs> um I, I just i don't see any argument that's going to change my mind about my title but this one was interesting where um you know other they were referring to the fact that other professionals And, you know, other non-teaching professionals aren't called teacher. So that would be your school psych and your nurse, your occupational therapist and your physical therapist. And to me, that's an easy argument why they're not called teacher and why we might be.
1: Well, for me, I think the big differentiation is we are typically on one campus or maybe a couple of campuses. But we're there every day and we're providing therapy services every day, whether that be in our speech room or in the classroom. So we are more integrated in that sense. Um, I used to always kind of feel like we were a mixture almost of the school psychologist role and a teacher role. And I think that's where the confusion comes in because we do all of the diagnostics like the school psychs, but then we're working with students. So that is confusing. I understand why that can be confusing, why we get lumped into that teacher role and they don't really know what to do with us.
0: That's exactly right. And you know, the school psychologists aren't teaching. The nurses aren't teaching. We are doing instruction um, to some extent. Related it's, to curriculum. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So I, I, that argument I didn't really get so much, but that's something I saw, so I, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, the one that I, I hope is not an argument, but it kind of aligns with that same idea of, well, they're not called teacher, why am I, is why are we acting like that's an insult? I I don't understand, you know, if you're insulted by being called a teacher. um, I think that's very unfortunate. And I think this is, again, why we get that princess reputation sometimes and um, why, you know, we might get some backlash from teachers is if there's ever a pissing contest about who is more knowledgeable
1: or who is, you know, better than. Someone's going to get soaked. (laughs) (laughs) If, If there's ever a pissing contest it's it's bad right no one both wins of you. no one no wins, wins. <laughs> <It's a> winner. <laughs> That's winner exactly
0: right but that's the thing is i never want to come across that i'm better than
1: no I another think,
0: member of a team i'm different
1: right not better so i think where some of that comes in specifically is when it comes to the pay scale yeah. so when you're on the teacher pay scale but i still in some aspects don't always quite understand that argument. Because if you are coming in entry level as a teacher versus a speech path, the education requirements are different. So you're not going to be coming in at the same rate of pay. If you're on something like a salary scale that has a step level for education, you're already moved way over on that right side of the column for education versus the teacher. So there would be a different kind of starting pay scale. Um, Sometimes districts, too, even if you're on the teacher scale, will give you other kind of side Benefits like if you have your C's or things like that, they will bump up um, certain whatever you call those stipends or whatever for your position. But um, also, I think, too, there's a lot of comparison often to what people are making in other settings. But I know my contract was, what, 183 days or something like that? Exactly right. Look at what you would be making in a medical setting for getting maybe what? 2 weeks off if you're lucky paid. So there is some differential there as far as what you're doing. Like I always loved working in the in the schools because I could have that guaranteed schedule throughout the school year like my kids, but I could pick up work in the summer. Exactly I could pick right. up some PRN in the hospital. Or I could do some clinic work over the summer. And so my pay, really, when you look at it from that perspective, if I'm working the same amount of time, I was making the same amount as in other settings. That's exactly
0: right. And again, that's another time you're not complaining. You're enjoying those
1: breaks. <laughs> those Mai ties in the summer. Yeah,
0: right. There's a lot of perks. I mean, obviously, that's not the only one. Again, we can't say enough how much we enjoy working in this setting, how authentic, how real, the impact we make in students' lives. Um, and so, you know, we'll do, we'll do another podcast, solely talking about maybe that that piece for advocating maybe doing some professional development how you can build relationships with your staff Um, but again when it comes down to it I don't care what you call me
1: exactly because it's really about the students that's really what we need to put our focus on not our titles they're awesome we can give ourselves a high five but it's all about the students
0: yeah and none of this matters I mean really when it comes down to it the kids don't care what our title is.
1: Actually, neither does the staff. Because they just think you're a dirty bee. Right. (laughs) The kids and the staff.
0: (laughs) Probably more often than you think.
1: All right. We'd love to hear what you guys think. And we'll do a poll somewhere, maybe on Instagram or Facebook or both. But we want to hear what you guys think. And then you can always reach us too, specific to this podcast by emailing us at podcast at slptoolkit.com. And we'd love to hear your opinion on this. If you have Um, an issue with anything we said I prefer that you say dear Sarah (laughs) (laughs) come at me I don't care come at that dirty bee (laughs)
0: that's right and check us out for our next one you never know what we're going to be confessing next bye guys